I love this day. I love this service. So I'm thankful you're here. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1. We've been kind of walking through the book of Philippians. And uh, next week we'll take a little break uh, from Philippians after chapter 1. And we're going to turn our face to the cross over the Easter season. And I'm really looking forward to our series starting next week. And then after Easter we'll come back to Philippians and, and finish up this book. Um, but what a great book it is. You know, our church, uh, the, throughout this year, if you've been with us, we've been in the, we've, we've kind of been led to the gospel challenge. The, the, the challenge is that we would share the gospel with as many people as our age. And, and it's something that I pray that, that we, we follow through with all throughout the year. Uh, you know, Probably most of the times that we do this, it goes like what happened to me yesterday. I was at, I was at the tennis courts yesterday. I met a guy named John and uh, another guy from, we were at, uh, our kids were playing tennis. And, and, uh, and as um, I, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with John. And uh, not the gospel of John, the gospel with John. I just want to clarify. Um, but uh, John said to me, man, man I'm good. I don't need that. We, we don't do that kind of stuff in our world. And I was like, that's, that's, you know, we, we had a good conversation. And, and probably a lot of times when we share the gospel, that's what happens. Uh, but, but I don't want us to forget that God is powerfully at work. I got a call Friday from uh, um, Barry Autry, who goes to our church. And uh, Barry has been facing some really difficult times in his life. He, he's battling cancer. He, he moved to Tulsa to go to Cancer Treatment Centers of America. He works here and now. And, and, um, and it's just been a tough journey for him. And uh, um, he was at the, getting chemo on, on Friday. And as he was there, he was in the office and or the waiting area there. And it was just he and another lady that was there for their chemo treatments. And, um, and she pulls out some essential oils, and, uh, and it was myrrh. And so he said to her, he goes, oh, they, they started talking about the myrrh and all that. He goes, do you know the biblical, uh, uh, you know, account where myrrh was mentioned? And she said to him, she goes, you know, I'm, I'm really not a, a Bible person. I really don't, uh, I haven't really done that. I went to church a little, little bit when I was a kid, but I, I don't know that story. He goes, well, can I tell you? And he goes, myrrh was one of the gifts that were given to Jesus when he was born. He goes, they, they kind of brought him some strange gifts, the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? And, uh, and so he was like, can I, can I explain those to you, just what the Bible says about those and, and the reason those were significant? He said the, the gold was a, was a kingly gift because when Jesus came, a lot of people thought he was a king, and, uh, and then he said the, the frankincense, that was an interesting gift. She goes, yeah, I remember like hearing those when I was a kid, but I really don't know what they mean. He goes, well, the frankincense was a, was a gift for a priest. You see, Jesus was a different kind of king. He was a priestly king. And then the myrrh, he goes, the myrrh was really, really interesting because the myrrh was, um, was used for a burial. Because in Egypt, uh, myrrh was popular and they would use it for embalming and, and all these things. So Barry started kind of explaining this. He goes, but what's interesting that myrrh smells good, because, but, but it only smells good after it's been crushed. And then Barry said, you know, like Isaiah said, Isaiah prophet, he wrote this. He said, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
He said, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And he goes, I just want you to know, Jesus, he, he loves you. And he died for you. And, this, and, and it was crazy because at the office at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, she starts just, God was moving. God was speaking to her. And, and, and he talked about how you receive Christ. And, and she was like, can I do that? And, and he was like, yeah. He goes, so, so they get on their knees right there in the office and, and they start, she prays to receive Christ. The chaplain comes over and he's like, hey, what's going on? They, 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 so right there, they lead this lady to Christ on Friday at Cancer Treatment Center. Isn't that awesome? And this got even crazier because, because after this, uh, they were talking about what the next step was. And, and, and you know, just like we saw today, baptism. Uh, you know, that's, that's something you do as an as a outward obedience of, of man, I want to I be baptized and as, a, as an expression of Jesus changed me from the inside out. And, and she was like, can I, can I do it now? And they're like, sure. So they went upstairs in a bathtub and baptized her on Friday. Isn't that crazy? Now, now the truth is, you know, uh, most of the time we share the gospel, it's like John says to me, I see you, man. I'm not, he didn't get baptized at the tennis courts, you know, yesterday. But, but, but God's at work. And I don't want us to forget that, that, that God was just as powerfully at work in John's life as he was in Barry's experience with this lady on Friday. And so, you know, and Barry and I talked after Friday as we were, I was in the car. He was telling me that story. And, and, and I said, we were just amazed at how God has used Barry's struggle with cancer to advance the gospel. And, and see, this is what God does. This is the point of Philippians. Here is Paul. He's writing this letter to a church, and he's suffering. He's going through a really, really hard time. I mean, honestly, Paul is one of these guys that when he writes this letter, you would think that Paul could say, God, are you going to give me a break? Because, I mean, he'd been shipwrecked. He'd been accused unjustly. He was arrested. He's in prison now. He's chained to a guard. And, and I mean, he's got to be chained to a guard. They, they rotate guards being chained to him. I mean, think about that kind of threat that they saw him is that kind of threat. But yet, uh, all his freedoms are gone, but he writes this letter to the Philippians, and it's just encouraging. I mean, how can you be encouraging after that kind of suffering? And he writes, and we've seen this in Philippians 1, how he's like, my suffering advances the gospel. And, and then we get to... Um, you know, last week we looked at verse 27 closely about how uh, Paul's encouraging them to live up to their calling. And, and you know, how does he respond this way? How is this book filled with moments of rejoice and, and encouragement when he's facing these difficult circumstances? And the reason is because he'd grown up spiritually. He'd grown to understand that God's at work in my life and, and, and God is at work through my, my, in good times and in bad times. And, and see, if we don't grow spiritually, what happens is we tend to, um, our, our walk with the Lord is dependent on our circumstances. And see, we, we need to walk with the Lord and trust the Lord regardless of our circumstances. Because sometimes we'll go through tough times 
And, and sometimes we'll face difficulty. We're going to get those calls at times that, that we have cancer and we got to go through chemo and we got to go through these things. But, but God's always faithful. God's faithful regardless of the circumstance. And, and you know, that's why I pray we grow up in our faith. That we don't stay immature Christians, but we recognize, God, you are faithful all the time. So Philippians 1, let's look at this first. Would you stand with me and let's read together. We're going to read 27 through the end of chapter 1, verse 30. 27 through 30, and that's where we'll stop this series. We'll pick back up after Easter in chapter 2. But verse 27 It starts the thought. I want to start there. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you, come and see you, or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now we looked at 27 last week, and so I'm not going to really... um, land there or stay there, but I want us to look uh, at verse 28 and look back at that in your, in your Bibles. And he writes, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Now, now, do you know that we have opponents? We got opponents, right? You know that, don't you? There are, there, are, there are opponents we face. Now, now sometimes, um, like I tell a story about my atheist friend all the time, that, but, but, but honestly, he's not my opponent. You know, I have a bigger enemy than him. Now, does he come against me sometimes? Sure. Is he, um, does he not believe what I believe? Sure, he doesn't. Um, but, but, but the reality is there's a greater opponent than my buddy, my lifelong friend, um, Satan is our enemy. What does John 10, 10 says? It says the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Satan is an enemy that comes against us. I mean, uh, 1 Peter 5, 8 talks about that, that, that be sober-minded, be self-controlled, because he comes like a, like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Ephesians 6 talks about that, that we're to take our stand against the devil's schemes. So we have an opponent and, and Paul lays that out here. That, and, and, and one of the things that Paul does in this verse, in verse 28, he, he reveals something very important that is revealed all through Scripture. It, all through Scripture we see this idea, and point number one articulates it, and it's, and it's this, that, that when you stand with Jesus, get ready for trouble. Because when you walk with the Lord, when you stand for the Lord, you will experience the opposition. Now, Paul writes all through his writings, his letters to the churches, his letter to Timothy, like he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, it doesn't say some will be persecuted. What does it say? All. All who desire to live a godly life, you're going to be persecuted. Aren't you glad you came to church today? 
right? Because this is a reality. I mean, the scripture lays this out. And that, that trials in life, is, it's going to come our way. And this, this flies in the face of our American preaching. Because in America, we live in this, you know, this, we, we, we like these messages that, that I'm going to live my best life now. And, and I'm going I'm to experience all the blessing of God now. But, but it doesn't work that way. That's not, that's not accurate, according to Scripture. But right here, I mean, we see in verse 28, um, do not be frightened in anything by your opponents. Because Paul knows our opponents can be frightening. That those that come against us can be challenging. Now, now um, I'm, I'm not one of those health, wealth, and prosperity preachers because I just don't see that in Scripture. And, and, you know, in my own life, I don't see it in my life. You know, like there's some lady on, on TV, at, a preacher TV lady, I don't remember her name, but she was like, it was on the news, they said, if, we don't need a flu shot, we need Jesus. I got the flu a couple of weeks ago. I, and I'm like, that's stupid to me. I mean, for someone to say, oh, well, you know, we won't go through trials as a Christian, that's not scriptural. Because we will go through difficulties. We will go through trials. I've gone through moments in my life that in all honesty, I've thought, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. And there's, you know, um, I'll have to see when I get to heaven how it all worked out. Because God didn't tell me a reason. And so I trust him. Learn to trust him. And see, this is the reality that, that trials are going to come. And, and the truth is, I'm grateful. Because it's been in those moments of trial that I've learned that God can be trusted to do exactly what he said he will do. And here's what I want us to see today is that, is that our trust in Christ is learned through trials. It's when we go through those trials, when we go through those moments in our marriage, when we're like, I don't think we can make it. Well, let's turn our face to Jesus and let's get through it. And God helps you through it. It's those moments when you're like, I don't know that I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. God, I'm not, I don't know that I want to follow you or trust you. And then you do and you trust the Lord and he brings you through. You go, oh my goodness, that was so great. So glad I, I'm so glad I trusted the Lord. It's in the trial where we learn that God can be trusted. And so this is why I don't, I pray that we grow up in our faith and understand God you're faithful when tough times come. He is. And that's Paul saying this. Our trust in God is learned through trials. Now, here's another thought that, that I couldn't get away from. That, that, you know, if we don't ever face spiritual opposition, have you considered that, that maybe you're not going in the right direction? I mean, if our church never faces spiritual opposition, I would argue we may not be going in the right way. Because if we're going, um, if we're honoring the Lord and, and, and turning our face to the spiritual battle, guess what? Satan's going to mess with us. The enemy's going to come against us. And that's true in our church. That's true in our families. And so that's why James writes that uh, count up your joy when you encounter trials of many kinds. That's why the scripture moves us to, to trust the Lord in spite of the circumstances. And this is important. That, that, that you know, we, 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 we will 
face, we will have opponents. Look at verse 28 again. And not frightened in anything by your opponents, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. That, that we will, that God will be faithful. And this is why point number two is helpful for us, that, that when, when the opposition comes, courage will be required. That we will be required to have courage and trust and, and, and look to the Lord. This is a requirement for us. And, and, and so what is this, how do we have courage? How do we do this? Well, well number one, when I think about courage, and, and, and as Paul writes, that, that, that don't be frightened any, by your opposition, that this is their destruction but your salvation, we can trust the Lord regardless of the circumstances. You know, courage, what it looks like is we show courage by owning our failures. Now, now you're like, okay, Chris, how, how do I, what do you mean? Courage by owning my failures? Well, Jesus says this in Matthew 5. It's the Sermon on the Mount, incredible, best sermon ever preached. Jesus did it. Um, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Now, I want you to notice something really important in the Sermon on the Mount. He says that when you are persecuted and they accuse you falsely and, and that your reward is in heaven... So when that happens, we have a reward. But notice the important word there in Matthew 5. When they accuse you falsely. This is why verse 27 in Philippians 1 is so important that we should pay attention to the way we live. Sometimes tough times come, persecution comes because of our sin and our own bad choices. And so it's important that we understand that Paul is moving the Philippians to walk with the Lord, to honor the Lord, to live in a manner worthy of the gospel, like he said in verse 27. And you know, sometimes our sin messes us up. And, and, and you know, I, I told our, our, our parents, our, our baby dedication, families that are dedicating their children today, just briefly when I went in there this morning, that, that, you know, one of the things that I feel as a, as a preacher, I feel a, a, a deep sense of, of awareness because I get up and preach a lot and my children are in the room and they hear me preach. And, and you know what? They, my children could tell you all of my flaws, every one of them. I hope you don't, Eric, but you could. It's five bucks if you tell everybody my fault. I have a rule that if I use my kids as a sermon illustration, I have to pay them $5. And um, so if you tell everybody, I'll, I'll get five bucks from you. But, um, but, you know, I pray that they watch me not just getting up publicly, and telling people to walk with the Lord. I hope they see me doing it. And, and that's a conviction I feel that I better be honest about my mistakes. I can't hide it from them. 
And see, we, when, our, when we face opponents, when people come against us, it's so important that we live a life that is authentic and really walking with the Lord. And this is, I think, important, an important concept for us to get that, that, that opponents are coming in against us. We've got to walk with the Lord. And we show courage by saying, God, I'm going to deal with my sin. That's why I love Psalm, Psalm 139, this incredible statement from David. And one to think on, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and, and know my thoughts. If there's any wicked way or grievous way in me, lead me in your everlasting way. And maybe today... The word for you today is to, man, get honest about your faults. Live authentically. Life's too short for us to not make the most of our time and our walk with the Lord. We show courage by, by dealing with our, our faults. We don't give our opposition ammunition when we walk with the Lord. Another thing about courage, we, we show courage by, by refusing to retaliate. Now, now think about this. This is hard for us. A couple of, uh, last year, we had a guy come and speak to our staff that, that uh, Andy Coleman, and, uh, who's a member of our church and, and uh, is just a great leader, and Andy brought Peter Jasek here, and we, he worked it out for us to hang out with him. Peter Jasek was, uh, uh, Andy, is he from Croatia or Ukrainers? Czech, Czech Republic. And, and, and he was captured. He's a Christian. He was a, helping churches. He, he, he was captured and he was imprisoned with ISIS and, and got beat up and just, I mean, thought he was going to die. And God miraculously moved and, and, and moved him out of the cell with these ISIS fighters. He was with a group of guys that were the ones that beheaded the guys on the beach if you saw that story, he was in prison cell with them and they were just, they were going to kill him. And, um, and, and I said to him afterwards, he, cause he, cause he didn't retaliate against them. And I thought, and I said to him, Peter, I, Americans are, we would struggle with that because when we, Americans tend to have the attitude that if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back, right? We don't do this, no retaliation very well. Well, you know, we, we have the attitude in America that, hey, God's going to get you and he's going to use me to do it and I'll be happy to sign up, you know? But, but we can't miss what the scripture says. Romans 12, interesting passage. Paul wrote it. He says this, verse 14 Verse 17, verse 19, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now this is uncomfortable for us. Because when we think about persecution coming our way, we tend to arm ourselves. And the scripture moves us to think differently. I'm not saying we shouldn't defend one another. I'm not saying we shouldn't defend our nation. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying we can't overlook this calling as a believer that Paul didn't retaliate 
um, it was interesting how he, he did this. God commands us to never pay back evil for evil. And when opponents come, not if, when people oppose us, we are called not to retaliate. Now, we show courage by not retaliating. We also show courage by, by refusing to give in to fear. We just sang that song, when, when fear comes. Because let me tell you something, when you walk with the Lord and you face opposition, it can be fearful. When I think about raising my children in a changing world, it can be fearful. And the reality is um, we're called not to give in to fear. Verse 28, Philippians 1.28, in no way, he says, should you be alarmed at your opponents. We shouldn't be alarmed at them. And, and God's moving us to, to not, not cave into fear, that, that as a Christian, we're called to have courage. And, and here's what I remember growing up. I grew up in church. I was, I was a Baptist before I was a Christian. I, started, I became a Baptist about nine months before I was born. And, and when I, I remember growing up, we would sing songs like Onward Christian Soldiers. Remember those songs? As going on to war. You know, it bugs me a little bit. I feel like we're kind of wussified today. I, I, is that a word? I'm not sure. Is that a word? But we're called to have courage. Now think about this. The, the scripture moves us. God's moving us today and in, in tracking through Philippians that, that we're not to be alarmed by our opponents. How often are we alarmed and fearful? And when we're fearful, we don't see God for who he is. I mean, we just sang that incredible song about um, the God, look, look who he is, the angel army song. I'm forgetting the words now. But man, he is powerful. He's the, who, who can come against us? Why should we be fearful? If you walked in the room today fearful about your future, I just want you to see God for how big he is, how powerful he is. Look at verse 20, 29. Paul goes on to write, and he says, For it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him. So we understand that. We get that. We should believe in Jesus. We should trust in him. We should believe in him. We should not doubt him. We should realize that, that he's at work and that, and that he can be trusted to do all that he said he was going to do. And, and when we say that, we go, yeah, that's right. God's going to do all that he said he would do. Well, crud. Because then he says, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Now, wait a minute. Let's read that again. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Then he says, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now here that I still have. So Paul is, is suffering. He's in conflict. His opponents are coming against him. And he says, you're not only to believe in him, but you're called to suffer for his sake. Now, point number three is so important. Because when pressure gets intense, strength comes at the right moment. 
And I love this. I love it that, that when pressure gets intense, God's going to give us what we need. And when I think about this, this biblical call to persecution, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, I don't know that we feel that as, as heavy as other parts of the world. You know, sometimes in America, like Andy always says, we fear the eyebrow. But there are parts of the world that fear the fist because of their faith. And part of me wonders is, are, are, are my children, are, are they going to see such a faith in me that if they faced the fist, would they cave in? I mean, I mean here, here's a thought I've had in my heart, in my life, a prayer that I'm wrestling through as I, as, I, as I engage passages of Scripture like this. What if it is not us that, that experiences the physical persecution for our faith? What if it is our children or our grandchildren that experience that? What if it is the kids that we prayed for today? that are the ones that will face the physical persecution in our country because of Jesus Christ? What if they're supposed to look at us and learn from us and learn our passion, catch our heart for the Lord in such a way that they will stand and not crater when persecution comes? Man, it's our, we gotta walk with the Lord. We've got to trust the Lord. We've got to live by faith, not by sight. We've got to be a church that models this, that, that's not fighting with one another, that is focused on sharing the gospel. And, and we hear this gospel challenge that, that, that God has been moving us to embrace for so long, but yet sometimes we're, we're oh, I can't speak up. I'm so glad Barry spoke up on Friday. You know, I'm telling you, Strength comes, though. Words come. And, and here's what I trust. Here's what I believe God, to, to do, God is going to do in our lives, that if it is our children, if it is our grandchildren, that God's going to give them what they need the moment they need it. And that happens to us, too. If you get that call for cancer or if your world is spinning out of control, God's going to be faithful to give you what you need when you need it. does it all the time. But here's what we see in this passage, that God has already called us to face persecution. Do you know that, right? He's already called us to that. I mean, all through Scripture, Peter writes about this in 1 Peter 2, in verse 19. He says, he says, for it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he's conscious of God. Then he says, what is it to your credit? If you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it, but if you receive a beating for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. Listen to this. To this you were called. For Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And Peter goes on to write that, that when, when Jesus suffered, he did not retaliate. When he, he made no threats. And then he says, he, instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And that's what Paul's modeling here. Paul's entrusting himself. God, this is a sorry circumstance. This is a difficult time. But God, I trust you. And that's the big lesson today. I, I think that it's very important that, that, that God can be trusted. You may have walked in the room today and you're like, I don't believe in the Lord. I don't believe in God. 
You may be like, like John, who I, who I talked to. Man, I don't need that. Yes, you do. You know, when John said, I don't need that in my life, I'm like, oh, no, we do. You, you need Christ in your life. I'm okay. No, we're not okay. We're not okay without Christ. We're, we're destined for hell without Christ. We, we have no hope without Christ. And, and then once we come to Christ and we face opponents, I want you to know God will use our difficulties for good. And you may be here today going, Chris, I'm trying to walk with the Lord and, and my life is tough right now. I want you to know God's faithful to you. That you have opponents that are coming against you, but you don't have to be fearful. And so it's such a powerful moment. God's already called us to, to face persecution, but let me just say a couple of things as we close. And I just want to say this out loud. That the Holy Spirit walks us through chaotic situations. And I want you to know that, that I have seen it over and over and over again that God is faithful to walk me through chaos. And if you walked in the room and your life is in chaos, come to Jesus, turn to the Lord. Because he will walk you through chaos. Yeah, he doesn't prevent chaos from us. We sometimes have to go through chaos. But I've learned to, to love the Lord more and more because he's lifted my head when I didn't think he could lift it. He, he helped me when I didn't think I could go on. He, he, he gave me wisdom when I was like, Lord, what do I do with my kids or, or my life or this decision? God has always been faithful. And he's faithful all the time for you and for me. And so here's the... Here's what I, it's so beautiful because Paul's writing to this church and, and we see that God gives us what we need when we need it. That, that do you know that, that we'll never face persecution without companions? That was the powerful moment this morning as these parents, and I remember when Emily was born. Oh my goodness, I remember this. I'll never forget it. I mean, I saw Robin's becoming great with child in my, in my home, and, and, and I felt Emily kick, and I'd go, neat, neat, oh, it's so cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd talk to her stomach, and, but it didn't hit me that I'm going to be a dad until, because I'm a visual learner, okay? And, and, and I'm in the hospital after the, I mean, the birth of the baby is, uh, I got a little tongue, tell you this, um, but Robin's not in here, so that's good. Um, but I was doing the breathing thing, and I, I mean, we're intense, and the first labor pains hit, and the nurse stopped me because she goes, you're going to pass out. And, and I was like, okay, okay. And then Robin got a contraction, and I'm in her face, and, and I'm doing the coach thing, like, we're going to do this, come on. And, uh, and she gets this contraction, and I'm right in her face, and I start bawling. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she's comforting me, and she's in labor. I'm like, I felt like the biggest loaf of a husband. But all of a sudden, there is my five-pound, 13-ounce daughter. And I'm holding her in the palm of my hand because she was so little. And I'm going, oh, crud. What do I do? What do I do now? And I remember, like, what the, maybe... 
these parents were probably better than I was, but maybe they feel, but they look out here and go, look, I'm going to raise kids with companions. Paul wrote to this church, it was companions, and God's always faithful to provide one another. I just want you to know God's faithful when persecution comes. And church family, it's going to come our way. And God's going to never let us down. So maybe today, it's time for our invitation. And I love invitations. I think they're important in our, in our services because it's the Holy Spirit that has us ending Philippians today. In Philippians chapter 1. And you may have walked in the room and you just need to get on your knees today with somebody and say, would you help me? Would you just pray with me because my life's in chaos right now? Maybe you're here today and go, somehow you preached a sermon on persecution and I need to get saved today. You should come. Because only the Holy Spirit could communicate that to you. Will you listen to his voice? Will you trust him? Regardless of the circumstance, will you grow up in your faith and not be wishy-washy and live by faith.